Dr. Vincent Mack, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're looking at your paper that you've written with others, Dominance and Innovation in a Dynamic Macro Environment. Can you just tell us a little bit about why you decided to research how dominant firms innovate? Yeah, because it is uh, by itself a very important question because dominant firms usually have a really high capability of um, bringing out good innovations. But sometimes, as we have observed, dominant firms are rather lethargic in terms of their motivation to innovate. And more than that, it seems that uh, previous research has found very contradictory opinion as to um, whether dominant firms uh, would really be likely to innovate at all. A lot of the times they do not, but there are some cases and uncovered by previous research that shows that they are really uh, pioneering in terms of innovation. And our research is indeed to find out what sort of conditions um, can motivate uh, dominant firm to innovate and what sort of conditions um, will uh, a dominant firm not be so inclined to innovate. Because that is the traditional perspective, isn't it? That dominant firms don't innovate enough so their competitors come into the market and eventually overtake them. We've seen uh, a lot of business case studies uh, showing that. So is this what the previous research has been about how dominant firms, if you like, are lethargic and lag behind the others. Indeed, the majority of previous research really uh, projects an image of dominant firms as being lethargic, with a few, however, uh, 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 notable exceptions, especially in the marketing research literature that uh, seems to show by empirical data that dominant firms, well, at least uh, um, well, a, a sizable minority of them, put them this way, are uh, inclined to innovate. And the paradox here is uh, whether the traditional will, under what conditions will the traditional will prevail and under what conditions will those empirical data be vetted. In other words, um, we try to resolve a contradiction in the research uh, between the traditional view and the more recent findings. And I know that, that your finding, which is new, is that the external environment by that you mean the macro environment is very important. If it's the right macro environment, dominant firms do innovate. That's true, that's true. So what we have found out is um, this external variable, which is how the macro environment is changing. The macro environment being the external environment that operates around the whole industry that really is something that the industry cannot control but will influence the industry. However, how this macro environment is changing and how firms foresee how you'll be changing will lead to a complete difference in terms of whether dominant firms are willing to innovate or not. And in fact, one of the major findings is that if the macro environment is declining, is shrinking, okay, the external environment is shrinking, then dominant firms will surely fit into the more lethargic traditional view of not innovating. However, when we see that the macro environment is in fact growing, uh, expanding rapidly, then under quite a lot of conditions, a dominant firm will in fact be likely to be pioneering, to be innovating. 
What about if the markets are stable? We've just had the news that there's half a percent growth in the UK economy. Yeah. So, so do dominant firms hide a little when conditions, macroeconomic conditions, are stable? Indeed, indeed. Dominant firms will tend to hide a little when the macro environment is stable. However, they do not hide as much as if the macro environment is visibly uh, in a kind of uh, shrinking state. That is. In the case when the macro environment is being stable, dominant firms tend not to do a lot initially, but they will buy their time and wait for a moment at which they may, in fact, start innovating radically and uh, on a large scale. So, in that cases, which is a kind of hybrid between shrinking and growing, dominant firms will tend to be innovative but late. And I suppose it's common sense because if you're the new startup, you know, and you're growing your business, you've got an energy, and you can have a brave heart as a startup. Is it sort of emotional courage that dominant firms lack in bad times or lethargic times? Yeah, calling you emotional courage is a, is a very good way of putting it. On the other hand,、uh, you can also say that dominant firms already are having quite a lot of profits with their existing operations. They You see, they are already getting quite a lot from from what they are doing. So, so they would feel that well, there is not much need for us to try something new to experiment. And in fact, if their experiment fails, they have quite a lot to lose. They already have a customer base. If they try an innovation that fails, who knows what sort of bad influence it would uh, uh, come about? However, for the new startup, as you say, they have relatively little to lose. And in fact, for them, if they do not innovate, it is. Very hard for them to keep surviving, and their profits could remain just as low as it used to be, and therefore they just need to do something about it. So it is about how much to lose in the innovation process in some cases, and dominant firms could tend to be lethargic in some of the situation when uh, uh, they find that they have too much to lose, and that is why the traditional view becomes so prevalent. And I know, Dr. Vincent Mark, that at the Cambridge Judge Business School, where we are today, you've got a bit of a reputation for researching case studies. But but when we looked at dominance and innovation in a dynamic macro environment, you took two case studies, didn't you? One where the dominant firm was more innovative, and one where the dominant firm was less innovative. Yes, that's right. So,、um, in our paper, actually, is、uh, th- there are three examples, th- th- three mini cases that we cited, and the first one is、um, is a classic case. The newspapers in the UK in the turn of the millennium,、um, which is about ten years ago from now, when you can see that Guardian, the relatively less dominant、uh, player in the high quality newspaper market, start innovating. Quite, you know,、uh, radically on a large scale in terms of its online operations. Meanwhile, on the other hand, Daily Telegraph, which would be considered a more dominant player in the field,、um, sort of like they already had a website, but they did not do a lot about it. Certainly not as much as what Guardian did in such a pioneering way. So we kind of use that as an example of the classic view of the dominant player being lethargic, because that was a time when. The internet was、uh, getting prospering, but also along the way,、uh, a lot of free online media channels like blogs, news sites, whatever, were also rising. And、uh, as a result, the profitability of the whole、uh, internet media market seems rather dim for those 
for those conventional newspaper firms. And we see that it is a kind of shrinking profitability environment in which the future wasn't quite good for those conventional players. And in that case, we see the classic example of a dominant firm being rather lethargic, not really being willing to, to do a lot about it. While Guardian, the less dominant player in the quality newspaper uh, industry, would really try to do something radical, and indeed it did. And the second example was the completely different case of the U.S. car rental market in about two or three years ago at the height of the economic recession in the U.S. What happened was that um, Enterprise, the dominant player in the market, actually um, was really pioneering in terms of kind of Audi car rental scheme using uh, 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 internet platform very, very, uh, um, um, you know, you know in a high-tech kind of way, um, to bring out more or less virtually a new way of operating car rental business. Enterprise was a dominant player. Meanwhile, on the other hand, Avis, which was like the less dominant player, was not doing a lot at that time. That was 2008, which was really like when U.S. was really in the best days in terms of economics. And we see a reverse of the traditional view of Dominant firm being the project. In fact, dominant firm enterprise in that case was really being very pioneering, very innovative. And that we use as a case which demonstrates that when the macro environment seems to be at a really low and firms foresee that it will bounce back again, then in that case, dominant firms have a high incentive, in fact, to rather innovate ahead of others. And the third case is um, the US bond market around the turn of the millennium again, when the market, the, the external environment was relatively stable. And in that case, we saw that the dominant firms did innovate quite radically, the Morgan Stanley, etc. But however, they picked that up a little bit later than the less dominant firm in that case. So that was our third example, which really reflect on what I just told you earlier about the stable market environment. Now, I know that this research is setting new trends in terms of people looking at, at how dominant firms innovate and it's overturning you know, previous academic thoughts on, on why they do well and why they don't. But let's look at some of those terms in your, your paper, Dr. Mack. You talked about intuition and counter-intuition, incremental and radical innovation, and the dynamics of innovation. Is that telling us that perhaps we haven't understood enough in the past about the external macro environment and how firms respond to that, particularly dominant firms? Definitely. I think in business, um, a lot of people are working in business, but a lot of people, sometimes they don't quite know why they come to work in the way that they work, so to speak. And therefore, one, one, one aim of this kind of research is really to look at the big picture and see what shapes people's behavior in terms of uh, the interaction and how they learn from the interactions from the past. And in the present case, um, the intuition, the intuitive part, would be the traditional view of a dominant player being lethargic, and we do see that. However, the counterintuition will be partly in the case when the microenvironment is really expanding rapidly. Then we see that um, the dominant firms would actually do something really pioneering at a time when the economy was really, really bad, just like the U.S. car rental example, 
And somehow you have to uh, try to find an, a meaning for that. And in fact, we managed to use our theoretical reasoning to 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 understand that um, way of working because um, in that case, when the economy was actually rising, the underlying mechanism was that a dominant firm would try to innovate ahead of others just so that when the economy gets well again, they would be able to have a kind of first mover advantage and preempt less dominant player from even trying competitive innovations. Dr. Vincent Mack, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. I've learned so much. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.